good Sunday morning. City Gate Church and Pastor Howie Cantrell welcome you to this week's broadcast. We encourage you to tune in each Sunday morning at 7.30 right here on 100.7 WHIN. Or visit us in person at 734 Red River Road in Gallatin, Tennessee. Services start at 945. And now, Pastor Howie Cantrell. Well, good morning, everybody. Today, we're going to be digging back into Revelation, and we're going to be looking at chapter 22. Uh, We are in week 33. This is our final week of Revelation. But not so much the end of Revelation because I am going to try to go back and give you guys a good solid timeline so that we can see this in a chronological order. I want you to be able to understand the events as they are going to happen because Revelation, we've noticed this and we've talked about this, that it moves from here to here to here to here to here. And I want to make sure that you understand what is happening and where we are going in this. So today we're going to be again in Week 33, chapter 22, and we're going to be discussing the river of life, the river of life. Now, the Hebrews have a belief of the Jordan River, and the Jordan River has its start in Mount Hermon, and it is believed that as we go through this today, you're going to see why they believe this. They believe that the Jordan River starts at the throne of God from the river of life and it flows from the throne of God to the top of Mount Hermon and it creates the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River is the river where Jesus was baptized. The Jordan River has seen a lot of things in history, but the Jordan River itself is a tributary and leads to the Dead Sea. Everything that we've studied and everything we've learned to this point, we realize how such a small thing as it's fed into creates this this muddy Jordan River. And it's not a beautiful, pristine, clean river. It's a very muddy river. But it flows into the Dead Sea. And what makes the Dead Sea dead is the fact that it has no outlet. It has no way for things to flow out of it. When I was a kid, one of the things that I used to love to do, and I never really thought about it until I got older, is we would go to farmers' ponds, and we'd go swimming, and we'd go fishing, and some of you may have done that. But when I got older, I paid attention to what the cows were doing in those ponds. I regret some of those decisions of swimming in them ponds, just to be honest with you. <laughs> but it is uh, the thing about a pond is it's good to sustain stock and those kind of things, but it's not pure clean water. We've got to have a, a, a river source that flows, and that's why I love what we're about to read today. Let's dig in and let's look at verse one. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Now, this is the reason that the Hebrews believe that this is the source of the Jordan River and that it starts at Mount Hermon. The beauty of this river as we dig into this is as we see it, we're going to see how all this stuff comes together today. Let's keep going. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life 
Now listen to this. Which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now I just want you guys to think about this just for a minute as we look at this. And I want you to think about fruit trees. I've got a couple of, well, I've got three pear trees and I've got an apple tree and I've got a bunch of walnut trees and they do not bear their fruit every month. There is a time of fruit and there's a time that it comes. But what the word is declaring to us here is that we are not living the way we are accustomed to living when we're in heaven. This crystal river, this river of life, this flow of this, this cleansing of this, this washing of this, this fruit being ever present, these leaves being there for healing are so valuable and so important because it goes on to say this, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. You know, one of the things that we've talked about that is so unnatural is for people to serve other people. I go into restaurants and and I sit down and I look at the way people treat servers. Sometimes it makes me really happy and sometimes it makes me really mad. It's amazing to me how people feel entitled to be served when we are called to be servants. It's not an easy responsibility to serve. But I want to show you something because the devil has a counterfeit for everything that God does. Now remember, we've been through the the part of the Bible where it talks about the mark of the beast that in the palm of the right hand, And in the forehead, there shall be a mark. But I want to show you this, and I want you to see something, because everything has changed now. It's not that God is hidden from us. It's not that we are unaware. It's not that God is not present with us, because this is what it says. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Now, why is this important? Because this lets us know that we are not what we once were. We are not those people that were flesh that could not see the face of God. If you remember back in the scripture, the Bible talks about Moses. And it talks about that Moses wanted to see God. And God told him, he said, you can't stand to look at me. If you look upon me, you will die because no flesh can see me. And the Bible says that Moses was hidden in the crack of a rock or the cleft of the rock that God put his hand over it and he walked by and he let Moses see his back. The Bible refers to it as his hinder parts. And as he walked away, he saw God, but he was not able to see his face. You see, the thing that we long for, Paul said it like this, we see through a glass darkly. But when we get to heaven, when we get there, we shall see him face to face. This is the most important scripture to me in this series that we're looking at right now. We are going to see God face to face. Now understand this. This is after all the judgments. This is when we're in his presence. 
We're going to be with God. We will see his face. The word says shall, and we know that that is a very important word. Let's keep going. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord of God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You know, I have, I've made this statement before about how that there is no light on earth that can do what the sun can do. If you have a bright light, I don't care how bright your light is, and you shine it on the front of your house, it will illuminate the front of your house. It will bring light to the front of your house. But when the sun comes up, it has a way of bringing light into every room in your house. It is full 360 light. It's, it is, it's a radiance. It's not like light, like we think of light as this, this exposure. But I want you to think about being in the presence of God, that there is no night. There's no reason for us to have to walk around in the dark and try to figure out things because the Bible says that God and Christ there together are the light. Now, as we go a little further, things start getting more serious. Now, we've, we've gotten our assurance that we're going to see God face to face, but now we're going to step into some warnings. And the next warning is that the time is near. The time is near. I say this to people all the time because it's so easy for us to get caught up into thinking we've still got tomorrow. We've still got tomorrow. We've still got tomorrow. This morning, I had one of the most amazing things that can ever happen in a person's life happen to me today. Above my children being born, above me marrying my wife, above my mother-in-law getting a fantastic son-in-law. <laughs> Today, I had the opportunity to lead somebody back to Christ. They came to me and they, they told me, they said, I'm not where I want to be. And they asked, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. We walked into the office. And this person had told me that they had been through so much tragedy, so much loss of life, of people that they loved dearly. And they told me, they said that I need to get my life back right with God. And I just started praying. Of course, y'all know me, tears was flowing. And then I asked that individual to start praying. And they prayed the most beautiful prayer. And I can't quote it, but part of it was this. God, I've wandered away from you. I'm lost. And I'm asking you to forgive me and to welcome me back home. And I thought that was one of the most powerful prayers as she began to speak and, and share with me those things. And it just blessed me so abundantly. So as we see that the time is near, one of the phrases that was spoken to me is, I don't have tomorrow. 
And that's the truth. Amen. We don't have tomorrow. Let's go on and see what the word says. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Must shortly take place. Now, I want you guys to to get this. I want you to understand this because I want you to, to go back and be part of the early church. I want you to go back and be back then, be back there. And when they were back there and this letter from John was published, when it was written, when it went to the churches, they're looking at that. This is going to happen quickly. And people started making arrangements. They started doing things. They started making preparations to get ready for Jesus to come. And so we know that it's been over 2,000 years since Christ was resurrected from the dead. And because of that, every day that goes by, it makes it seem like it's not going to happen. You see, we live, you know this, we live in a microwave society. We expect everything to be done yesterday. No matter what it is, we just want to push the button and make it go away, make it fixed, make it repaired, make it better, make it well. Just give me what's coming to me. Give it to me now. And because of that, so much doubt has crept into people's minds, into their lives, into the church. Yesterday, I was watching the news, and I saw something. I I said, Becky, come and look at this. And there was on the plaza in Nashville a a group of people that were discussing things, and they were protesting. And there were three women with signs dressed in in some kind of a regalia, And they were holding up signs that said, we're witches. And we're for this cause. And nobody made a deal out of it at all. Nobody said anything. It's like, oh, there's just somebody else in the crowd. I want you guys to hear me when I tell you this. The Bible is very clear about deceit in the last days. That there is going to be deceivers. There's going to be people who don't tell the truth. They don't speak the word of God. They try to take this book and they try to manipulate it. And we have to be careful because there's some things that are going to be coming up here in just a few verses that's going to show us some things that we need to be careful of. Now listen to this. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, we know that the quickly part, it seems like it's just going on and on and on and on, and it's like it's never going to happen. But the Bible says that when Jesus comes, it's going to be like birth pains. Now, Melissa hasn't ever experienced what she's going to be experiencing here in a little bit. She hasn't experienced the things she's experienced because today I had to help her up out of her chair to give me a hug. She reached up and said, help me up. And I had to help her. I mean, it wasn't like she's doing this on her own. I had to get that girl up out of that chair. And so she gave me a hug and I was just holding her and I could feel that baby pushing against me. And it's not because I'm so fat. 
But I could feel that, that child. I could feel that life. And I know that before long, she's going to start feeling more changes. I have watched her, guys. I have watched her, especially my wife. She's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I'm not, I'm just watching. I'm not going over and grabbing that girl's belly. But I remember when my sons were in my wife's womb, and I remember holding my wife and feeling those movements and those things. And I'm trying to tell you this today because we're starting to feel some movements. We're starting to feel some things that are changing. We're starting to see more and more evidence that this world is about to change in ways we have no idea. We can't fathom what is about to happen. But sooner or later, the eastern sky is going to split. This morning when we were coming in, Becky and I were coming down Red River and we were coming. This is the east entrance coming into the city this way. And the sun is right dead in our face. And I remember what the word says. It says that he's going to split the eastern sky. It said, the Bible says it's going to be like a scroll rolling back. So many times we've heard about other dimensions and other places and other things. And Becky and I have been watching this show where people can do this time travel thing and they jump through time. But I'm telling you, when that day happens, the scroll will roll back and Jesus himself is going to step out. Amen. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him midway of the air. Now, this is where that thing takes place. And I want to put this back together to be able to see God face to face. We have to be changed. In other words, our bodies are quickened. What does that mean? We're no longer flesh and blood. We become our spiritual beings that we will be in the presence of God. Now, I want to be clear about this because I want you guys to hear this. As we go back and we look at all the judgments, there's some confusion in this, whether Christians are judged. Listen, if you get caught up to meet him midway of the air, if you go either by the grave or you go by the, the trumpet hearing it in your ears and you leave this ground and you fly up however we float, take off like rockets, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want to be in that. When it happens, we are going to be in the presence of God. You're not going to go back and stand judgment for what you did. If you make that cut, you're there. You need to hear me. You're not going to be, God say, oh, wait a minute, man, not you. I messed up. Let me put you back over here and put you through the great white throne judgment. It's not the same. And we'll see that some more. Sorry to get sidetracked. So let's see what John says here. Now, I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Now, we've seen John do this several times. We've seen John fall and worship several times, and it's happened to him. But you've got to understand, he's in the presence of something he's never seen before. He's in the presence of a being that has been in the presence of God. You're, you're looking at a holy being. It's not God. It's not the Son of God. It is a holy being because it's been in the presence of God, and he can't take it. He falls down. He goes to worship, but look what is said. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets. 
and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God or worshiping God. Worship God. He's telling him, don't worship me. Worship God. Don't look at me for that. Worship God. Now listen. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. The time is at hand. Now, here's it. And this is where you're going to see this. And this is why I brought up if you're caught up. Because this scripture bears out what I just said. Listen. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. This right here is the separation. Because those that are not are going to be separated. Those that are are going to be welcomed. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you right now? Now let's keep going because Christ is just about, he's going to testify to the churches. Now Jesus is going to testify to the churches. Now, listen, Jesus is going to speak. Watch what he says. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. What did I just tell you? I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. So when we're caught up to meet him or we go by the grave, we are going to get that reward. There'll be a judgment for that, but it's not a judgment like condemnation judgment. It's a judgment of rewards. We're going to receive rewards. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work, to give according to his work. And now Jesus says who he is. Watch. He says, I am the alpha and the, and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the first and the last. He's not saying that I am one of the angels. This is Jesus speaking because the angels can't say he's alpha and omega. An angel can't say that he had no beginning and no end, but Jesus can. Amen. Listen to this. Blessed are those who do his, who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Now, why is this scripture important? People think that when we go to heaven that we're not going to eat. That's not true. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know I can't get to a sermon on Sunday without talking about food. But here's the key to this, and I want you to understand this, that they may have the right to the tree of life. The Bible says that we're going to eat of the tree of life. We're going to eat of those fruits. We're going to eat of those leaves. And that they have the right to do that. And that they may enter through the gate into the city. In other words, this is not a back door. This is not a back entrance. This is not a curveball. This is straight from the front, walking straight in because you have the right to be there as a blood-bought Christian. Amen? Now listen what's going to be outside. Now this is what's going to be inside. Now I want you to listen to me. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. They're not going to be allowed in. We've talked about this so many times. We've talked about, everybody talks about all these bad things, blah, 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 all this big list. And I don't mean to diminish it, but there's a big list of things that keep us out of heaven. 
But the end of it says, and the liar shall have his place in the lake of fire. It is so important for us to understand that we're not talking about somebody who lied, but somebody who loves and practices lies. There's a big difference here. And it's laid out, I think, very clearly in this scripture. Now let's keep going because there's still more. Because Jesus is still speaking. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Now, this is more titles that Jesus has. He has so many. The rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley. All of these things are descriptive of Christ. And they're very important for us to understand. He's identifying himself. So listen to what he says. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Let him take the water of life freely. And again, we go back to Mount Hermon and where the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites believe that this purest source of water that starts the Jordan River, that they drink of that and that they're receiving a blessing and a gift. And it is proven to be one of the purest sources of water on the planet. But we can't say all of these things without issuing a warning. And here is the warning. Here is the hardest part here. I want you to pay very, very close attention. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. That's going to be added to you. Now here's another layer. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Now, there's a warning. Now, we've seen in the scripture where it talks about changing one jot or one tittle. It is so important for us to understand why we have to obey the word of God, why we can't mess with it. Now, I want to show you what a jot and a tittle is. A jot is the dotting of an I. It's that, it's that simple, tiny little mark that dots an I. A tittle is the crossing of a T. It's such a small thing, but we must obey the word of God. Amen? Now, here, Jesus is going to tell us one last time, I am coming quickly. Listen to this. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It amazes me how that when I was young, I felt I had all the time in the world. When I was young, I had strength in my body. 
When I was young, I could do what I wanted to do. I could go where I wanted to go, and I didn't feel like anybody could stop me. The longer that I live, the more precious I see time as. I see people change. I see people hurt each other. I see people destroy themselves. And they think they've got another day. They think they've got time to work things out. But we don't. Time is so short. And our responsibilities are so great. And sometimes it feels like we just can't take another step. That we've just done all we can do. And I just want to do the time out. I've tried all my life to outrun the clock. You can't do it. So I'm saying to you today, only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. You've been listening to Pastor Howie Cantrell with CityGate Church, located at 734 Red River Road, Gallatin, Tennessee. Please visit us in person for Sunday worship at 945. You may also see our live broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. From everyone at CityGate, have a blessed week.